Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. OMG, how much I forgot how hard kids are. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Like those poor kids in in the meat plants in Nebraska. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I'm definitely doing like child labor here. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Your kid got into travel sports and you'll be spending every spare cent you have on hotel rooms. Everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about financial literacy, teaching kids about money. Is it a thing we need to teach them? You know, what happens if they don't have it? That kind of thing. What happens if we don't have it? (laughs) Yeah, it starts at home, and that means we're in big trouble at my house. And we have talked on earlier episodes, which we can link to, about like chores and allowance and balancing that. This is a little bit more... Stop me if I'm wrong, Amy, a 30,000 foot view of the problem, right? Like how do kids even understand money in the year of our Lord 2023 when like, I mean, even how do I understand money? The fact that like I can walk anywhere and be like, blink, blink, blink with my phone. And just like the first time I realized you were allowed to do that, I was like, oh no, like this is going to be a big problem. Like money is meaningless. And also my kids are like, I'll just get on Amazon. Click, 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 click. Right. You've hit on two of my, I made a list of like the blind spots that have really surprised me about my kids. And that's a big one. Definitely. Like, and for us too, as you say, like I need something beep, bop, boop. And then the box is there 18 hours later and you just get it. You don't think about what it costs. You're not handing over the money. Like, do I really need this, you know, three-way plug for the car? Or does it look, just look cool? And I'll throw it in the, in the cart, add to cart. It's not a real cart, but it is a real cart. Absolutely. And I think That is a piece of this that I have been struggling with. And I did in the last month or two call a family meeting in which I said, no more Amazon ordering. But for me, my husband is terrible about it. I mean, how many like different annoying plastic cat toys do we need? You know, and then it's like, oh, well, they have this adorable like four story, you know, furry cat house that the cats could play in. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want a four-story cat house in my living room. It's disgusting. And you certainly don't need another one auto-shipped in four more weeks, right? Oh, God. The auto stuff is absolutely mesmerizing. It's all bad. I mean, my financial literacy. It's all bad. We might need to just look at the man in the mirror on this episode. It's gotten more. I mean, so my kids are 20, 
18, 15. So I have big kids. And I've seen, of course, even the time that they've been alive, it's totally changed. When my 20-year-old was two, I was writing checks once a week. Like that was at least visible in some way. They'd be watching a cartoon and I'd be getting out like time to do the bill pay. And I get out my stamps and my envelopes and my checks. And they'd be like, what are you doing? Like I'm paying bills. I mean, it was, it might've been esoteric to them, but they were at least aware it was something that one had to do. You know, my spouse talks about growing up and being very aware that some months were better than others because some months had five Fridays in them, which meant five paychecks. And some months only had four Fridays. And so five Fridays were when you could talk about getting, you know, the dishwasher fixed, right? And four Fridays were like, we're going to have to put that off for a month. And he was extremely aware of my dad makes money and then we have money to pay for things or maybe we don't have money to pay for things we have to save. It just was very, not that that's always a welcome feeling, I guess, but knowing like what we have and don't have enough money for, it was very front and center for him and understood that that was something that his parents had to calculate. And I just think it's gotten very absent from our kids' consciousness. Well, I think that's interesting. And I do wonder, and I wouldn't have thought of it, but like, is part of the issue having disposable income? Like, I am at a point in my life, and I've had, you know, feast and fallow, but I am at a point in my life now where I have disposable income. Like, I have money to buy the furry cat house without having to be like, it's not in this much budget. You know, like we have during my marriage, we have done the thing digitally, but like where we had an envelope for like grocery money. And then when it was gone, we didn't, you know, that was it. We didn't eat out anymore. And we've had, you know, credit card debt and all sorts of problems. Currently, I am at a good financial place where I have, listen, not even, we don't have college funds, but we have some float in the monthly budget. You, you could buy a cat house and it's pretty cool. It's four stories. Listen, guys, I don't mean to brag, but I don't have to look at my bank statement before I buy a furry cat tower. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. No, that is literally exactly where I am. Like, I think of my budget as like, can I go to Target without thinking too much about it? Or can I like want to go to Target and be like, yeah, I really can't go. I don't right. have money. It's that's what I'm talking about floating the budget. But I do think it does make some difference in terms of like this month we can't afford to is not a phrase I particularly need to use with my kids. Although I do find myself often saying we can't afford that or that is too expensive. But that just means like I'm not spending you know, a thousand dollars on an electric scooter or something, you know, I mean, it's, it's way out of scale to like some months have five Fridays and some months don't. Right. Right. So, I mean, I think we both want to say, right. It's a place of privilege to be, to have kids who think that the ice cream bars at the town pool grow on trees and they just get them every day and they don't realize you're getting a big bill at the end of the month, right? Those are lucky kids and those are lucky families, but there are ramifications to having these blind spots. Because as I, as I always do, I sort of was like, okay, is this, but who cares, right? Does it matter? I think it does. But does it matter that my kids have gone from understanding what cash is kind of to understanding what a credit card is kind of to like leaving for the, my kid flew across the country. Again, he's 20. He can do his own thing. He was leaving not only without cash, but without a credit card because he has Apple Pay. He's like, I, just, I have Apple Pay. I'm fine. I'm like, I 
don't you need cash? Like you're going to stay in an Airbnb, like your car might break down, like you need cash. No, 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 no. I have Apple Pay. Now I like, you know, stuffed some cash in his backpack because I was insistent that he needed it and he took it because his old mother wanted him to. It's so, so hypothetical at this point. Oh, I've been in two places recently where I needed cash. And I'm like, cash? Just like basically like we stopped at a pool in a town on vacation and there was people serving, you know, food and drinks at the pool and they had a tip jar that was cash only. I was like, first of all, I'm in a bathing suit. And second of all, what is cash, you know? And another thing like where we are on, you know, a shuttle bus traveling and it's like you need cash to tip the driver. Didn't have it. I mean, I just cash. I never have cash ever. Yeah, I saw it. my youngest, she's a teenager now, but I went on a class trip to Philadelphia. And of course, we went to this big museum. And of course, the most exciting place is the gift shop. And the school had said ahead of time, do not send these, you know, fourth graders with credit cards, please. Like you can send them with no more than $20, I think it was. And of course, they were like, that was burning holes in their pockets. And because I was a chaperone on this trip, I ended up sort of hanging out at the cash register and watching these kids be severely challenged in a good way. Like they were super excited at, okay, this stuffed animal is $16.99. And then with tax, it's $17.18. I'm making that up, obviously. And watching them, you know, pull out the money and, and then get the change back and count it and think about it. And like, where do I even put this? Where do you put change? Do I have a pocket? Is there a place I'm supposed to put this? It was fascinating to watch them. Like they've never had to do this before any of these kids, including mine. And again, I was like, does it matter? We're all going to pay for things with our minds now. Does it matter that my kids know the difference between a nickel and a dime? I think it does. I think it's more challenging. It reminds me of this was when we were kids. Like I was an early teenager, probably my own kid's age. And we went on vacation somewhere. We tended to go on vacations growing up at other people's vacation place. Like we're going to Mr. So-and-so's house, you know, and they would have, and we went to one and it was some sort of like all-inclusive resort. And we were given keys to the rooms. And we went with cousins. And the keys, we realized without being told, you could go anywhere on this resort property and buy things with the key. Like they would somehow tap, you know, put it on your key. And my dad walked by at some point and heard my brother proudly exclaiming to a group of like four or five of us, everything you put on this card is free. <laughs> and he was like, whoa, shut it down. You know, he immediately was like, who has bought what? And I do think the idea of like, I just turn my phone towards something and it's mine. And I just click on anything I want. And a box shows up within the next day. It, it seems to me that it's so much more challenging than here's $20 and bring me my change. Well, there's a study. MIT did a study. Of course there is, Amy. Of course there is. And it isn't just about kids. This is why it's interesting. I think they surveyed adults. They found that people will spend twice as much money on the same item when they're paying with a credit card as they will with cash. That totally tracks. And I did not realize this, but most of the retailers, I won't even name any of them, but most of the online retailers that we use have, I was talking to someone who works in this business and they have algorithms that sort your results. So like if you go into any online retailer and you type, you know, warm, fuzzy socks, that's what you're in the market for, right? What you see is not like the cheapest or the best socks. It's people pay to be at the top of the page because they know that most people buy one of the first five. 
Right. Like I definitely live in the beep boop financial culture of my kid needs a watch for camp. Okay. Cheap kids watch, put it in somewhere, click on it. And then it shows up. I don't sit there and be like, which is cheaper, which is better is $27 and 99 cents, a reasonable price for a kid's watch. I don't know. I typed kids watch a picture of a kid's watch popped up. I clicked on it and it arrived. And like a kid's watch is one thing, but right, if we want our kids to understand, oh, the difference between like, is the $1,200 washer that we're going to buy really twice as good as a $600 washer? Do we wait for it to go on sale? Like these kind of things. It's one thing when it's an ice cream bar or a watch. And it's another thing where it's they're just sort of major purchases that these kids are going to make someday as adults without ever having done that. Maybe you get real clear about it real quick when you're paying your own rent and living on ramen noodles. But I'm not sure if you never saw it modeled in the first place. I think that's probably true. And wh- what I mean about the algorithm stuff, too, is just like decisions are being made for you by a computer that is not the same as you being in a store. Like, yes, they put like, they put stuff by the front cashiers for impulse buyers. Like I do want a little book that's called like 60 kitten facts or whatever, (laughs) but that is less strong than like an algorithm that is constantly showing you like very specific things and teaching you and training you that like, just click and buy and don't ask yourself any other questions. And I'm totally susceptible to $50 gets you free shipping. Like you're $27. But if you spend $50, you'll get free shipping. I'm like, okay, get more stuff I don't want so I can get that free shipping. So susceptible. And, you know, we've talked about on episodes about garbage and stuff. It's one thing I really have tried to realize that things are junk when they enter your house, not when you have to throw them out a year later, you know, like that cat tree is currently like waiting to be thrown out basically because of course after three days like two cats ripped it to shreds and like it tipped over and it's it was a cheap piece of junk and we got what we paid for but the idea of like the immediate gratification of anything you need troublesome amy worrisome to me very worrisome okay let's take a break when we come back i have a quiz that we might take live hit me Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. 
crisp and refreshing without any sugar. This is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate. Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use fresh to get $100 off your lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. All right, quiz me, Amy. So we're talking about do little kids who don't understand money turn into big kids who don't understand money. So the Brookings Institute did a survey of college students who were asked three basic questions about inflation and interest and risk diversification. Okay. And these were kids that were about to graduate with loans that they had to repay. So they were kids who who were about to own loans. They were asked very basic questions about loans. And only 28% of students got these questions right. Would you like to consider taking this quiz? I'm telling you, it's an easy quiz. Hit me. Yeah. I'm feeling confident, nay cocky, Amy. Let's see. <laughs> okay. Let's test your your basic financial literacy. Okay. And these are not trick questions. Just like, don't be like, well, I think the answer is this, but it must not be. No, the answer is that. I want to reserve editing rights if this goes horribly wrong. <laughs> okay. So you have a savings account and the interest rate on your savings account is 1% per year. And inflation is 2% per year. After a year, if the interest rate is 1% and inflation is 2%, will you be able to buy more with the money in your account than today? The same or less than the money in your account today? Less by 50%. The answer is less, yes. Less by 50% on the interest only, let's be clear. Yes. Okay, so the second question is interest. Suppose you had $100 in a savings account and the interest was 2% a year. After five years... How much would you have left in the account? And don't panic because the answers are more than $102, exactly $102, or less than $102, earning 2% on $100 for five years. I mean, the correct answer is $110, which is more than $102. Yes, yes. And it's probably like actually like 111.111, something like that, right? But yes, the answer is more than $102. And then the last question is, is this true or false? Buying the stock of a single company is usually safer than buying a mutual fund. 
with several stocks. I mean, my financial literacy rules. It is definitely false. That's definitely false. You want to diversify your risk. I got 100%, didn't I? You win. You were better than (laughs) 75% of college students. And I was totally nervous before I took this test too, but it's kind of a basic quiz. And what's even more grim about this, the Brookings Institute, when they reported these results, was students with the lowest financial security were much less likely to be able to come up with the correct answers to these questions. They have less financial security. They're more likely to have a little loans and they don't understand the answers to these questions. I'm going to push back a little, as they say. I do think that it's the wrong time to ask a question. I think that asking it five years after, because as you say, once you do, you kind of learn by doing right. a little bit. I'm going to tell it myself. Talk about, this is, I was listening to um, one of Michael Hobbs' podcasts, Movement Maintenance Phase, the other day, and they were talking about people being like, kids don't socialize anymore. Like That's the big problem, is that kids, they just skip the part of dating, and that's not a part of our lives anymore. And the date on the article was like 1922. <laughs> yeah, and right. I was like, oh, that's right. Like People are always like, this is right. a new problem and it's right. not really that new right. problem. When I was in college, I got my first checking account with like my money that I had earned working at Basket Robbins during the summers, which maybe had $1,000 in it. I don't know, maybe $700, not that much. Got a check, got my checkbook, all set up, ready to go. And then I wasn't on the meal plan. And so I started writing checks to be like, okay, my groceries were $102. Like, here's my check. And then I just kept writing checks. And then I went to the grocery store one day and the manager like corralled me and they had like a picture of me on the wall. And they were like, you've been writing bad checks. And I'm like, what does that phrase mean? What's a bad check? Hot check? What do you mean? I thought a checking account was like a credit card that you could just... And like some checking accounts, to be fair to my dumb self, are like this, that you can go into the negative and then they just charge you interest on that negative balance. Like it is, they're usually, but my father who works in law enforcement, when I told him this was like, you have to stop writing bad checks. That is a federal offense. And like, please do not do that anymore. You thought it was just a sweet handwritten promise on like nice blue paper. I was like, I'm good for it. I don't, I mean, I'm still working. Like I make, you know, whatever, 250 bucks a week. I'll hit you up next time, you know, Union Food Co or wherever I was shopping. And I truly had no idea that that's not how checks worked. But I, I touched the stove. I got burned. I, I mean, the man was literally like pointing to a picture of me, a Xerox picture of me on the wall and like screaming at me and threatening to arrest me. And guess what? I stopped writing bad checks. I think so. Yes, you're exactly right. Like you learn these lessons, maybe the hard way pretty quickly. But if the Brookings Institute was setting out to prove, I think what they were setting out to assert is that we don't teach kids financial literacy in school. And so they're about to graduate college without basic financial literacy. Most of the time, that part's true. For sure. And I remember in high school, maybe it must have been high school, at some point being taught like how to write a check. Like you put the date here. This is who it's to. I don't know what class, maybe life skills or something. I don't know what class that would have been. But definitely there was no like, and stop writing them when you're out of money. I don't know where they, I guess they think that you learn things. It's like when I went to college and I was just throwing all my clothes in together in the laundry and my college roommate from whom I'm borrowed something was like, this is gray. What did you wash it with? And I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. And she's like, you've to separate lights from darks. It was complete news to me. So maybe this is less a, you know, 2023 problem and more a 
wherever thus kids don't get it until they're adults but i do think it's at least you weren't just going like boop boop holding your phone up to things and i do think our kids are going to be even more like wait what i do wonder about that oh i think that like money has value is something that is i mean the other day we were driving and we were talking about what would you do if you had ten thousand dollars and my kid was like i would get an apartment in manhattan (laughs) i was like okay great plan. I mean, they literally have no idea what things cost and what the value of money is. That stuff I think comes with time. I also think sometimes, I mean, my kids have an allowance. And so whatever they want stuff, I'm like, do you have the money for it? Because if you don't, you can't have it. And I think that's a helpful way to teach them the value of money. Although that's not, I don't do that with like camp fees and like train tickets to places they have to go. But Anything they want that's outside of that category, they have to pay for themselves. And I will say some of it is, as you would say, Amy, baked in the cake. Like I have one kid, my kids get a $5 allowance a week. I have one kid and some of it is first communion and birthday money or whatever. One kid has like $480 in the bank. One kid is like living on fumes and spending the $5 every week. And the other kid is like negative $110 because he's borrowed money from like me and his siblings. Which one's going to write hot checks? Oh, believe you me. Great won't be writing hot checks. He'll be making hot boops with his phone everywhere. I'm like, you will either grow up to be oldie Lux alert back in my day. Gordon Gecko, the guy from Wall Street who's like greed is good. Like he will either grow up to be like a Wall Street like person who like buys little old ladies companies and crushes them for his own profit. Or he possibly will be, you know, some sort of financial swindler. But he, he's, he's all kinds of trouble. We did a fresh take with Bobby Rebell. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. And I talked to her mostly about kids who are getting ready to leave the nest and, you know, letting them make their own decisions about money, even if it's hard. But she, we started with a very 30,000 foot view. And I went back and looked at it and I thought these were two really good points. She says, you know, when we're teaching kids about money, there are two things that we often get wrong sort of globally. One is we don't much like race. We like, maybe we won't talk about it and then they won't notice that somebody has more and somebody has less. We don't talk about it. And the other thing she says is overly shield them out of a, you know, sense of like kids don't need to know everything, but overly shielding them from reality. She argues that kids should understand, like, I know you want to go to Disney World, like your cousins, but we don't have the money to do that right now. And then we can save for it and what might saving for it might look like and, you know, bring them into the conversation of really wanting something and not being able to have it. And what does it take to either accept that or move towards saving for that, that we don't include the kids in those conversations at all sometimes. Yeah, that definitely makes sense to me. And I think this is like fabric of life. I do think I tend to come out on team like you can potty train a kid at 18 months if you want to spend a lot of time and work on hand sick. Like You can definitely potty train a kid at 18 months, but I am more suited to just taking a three-year-old and being like, here's how the potty works. Okay. And they get it, you know, like five minutes Mm -hmm. later. And they get it in a weekend. Right. Right. And I think financial literacy, you know, I think you could spend a lot of time talking and teaching them like interest and deductibles and all of that kind of stuff. And they'll also just figure it out when you're not paying their bills anymore pretty quick. I mean, that was my experience. So I, I, I trust in that. But I think in the big picture, the idea of Oh, it's the boring old, like, 
how you spend your days is how you spend your life and how you spend your life is what your kids are going to understand. And so if you are just like beep booping through life, like, let's get it, let's get it, let's get it. That's going to be very ingrained in your kids. And if you're like, whoa, let's think about this. Is this something we really need? Is this something we can afford? Like, is it something that, you know, I had a kid who wanted to go to summer camp a couple of years ago and we looked at them and they were outrageously expensive. And my fear was then the other two might want to go. And we really couldn't afford to send three kids to like, you know, a three week long sleepaway summer camp. And so I said, you know, this, we just really can't do it. And this one, everybody else forgot about it, but this one kid stayed with it, saved some money, put some money towards it. It was definitely a little bit of a stretch for us, but I was like, okay, you can now go to summer camp on the third year you're interested in it. You're going to help contribute to it a little bit. And like, we're maybe in a little bit of a better financial situation, but I think those lessons stick with kids in a very specific way. They're so worth that I was that kid. I wanted to go to a drama camp in high school and we didn't have the money for it. There were five kids then. And the camp gave me a little bit of a scholarship. But my parents said, okay, let's, you're going to raise some money. I had a job. I was in high school, but I also did a garage sale of my family and we sold all the like strollers and broken vacuum cleaners, or whatever. Like I dragged it all out on the, I oversaw it. I took the ad out in the newspaper. I put the price tags on everything. I mean, that whole, if that raised $50, it must have been, right? That was maybe not a um, the most cost-effective way to raise money, but they did get their garage cleaned out. It was the effort, right? But it's not, I mean, I have a feeling this is where we're heading towards solutions. It's not really the money. It's the fact that like you realized that you have to work for something. Yeah. And they realized, wow, she must really want to do it. If she's doing this whole garage sale, I guess we have to send her, right? Kind of like you you felt like you're one kid that kept bringing it up and bringing it up. Like, okay, I guess they really do want to stretch for this. Yeah. And I think that for people who really do need the financial help, that's helpful. And I think for people who don't need the financial help, it's also a really good idea to instill the value of like things don't come for free. I am currently, and we will be talking about it on an upcoming episode, babysitting two-year-old and a six-year-old. And my 11-year-old and 13-year-old are my mother's helpers. And I mean, it's terrible, Amy. I cannot wait to do an entire episode about OMG, how much I forgot how hard kids are. Uh. (laughs) But my helpers, and I talk to them, I'm paying them 40 bucks a day, which is really a pretty good deal for me because it's not that much money and they are really helping a lot, but I'm making them like change diapers and watch the kids. And then we clean up after every meal. They're really, really wow, working. That's great. And last night, one of my kids got in bed and was like crying and he was like, I hate working. And I was like, yeah, welcome to work. But <laughs> I said to them, I was like, I will pay you, but you're going to work. And one of the reasons I want to pay them is so that I could dock their pay. I threatened to dock their pay so I could make them work harder. And I mean, believe me, if anyone from like a labor organization is listening to this, I mean, don't turn me in. I'm like a complete, you know, horrible boss. <laughs> like those poor kids in, in the meat plants in Nebraska, right? I'm definitely doing like child labor here. But I mean, I do think that you can, what am I trying to say, layer this on yeah, you can make it. It's another thing that Bobby Rebel suggests is that you kind of talk about what your values are as a family. And she uses the example of like, talk about when they want the $200 pair of sneakers. Well, you know, why are they $200 and marketing and that kind of thing? And she said her own solution with her kid, as I recall, was just, okay, I'll pay 
let's look at other good sneakers. You could, these $75 sneakers would hold up really well for gym all year long, but you want the $150 ones. So that extra, if it's really, really important to you, is going to come out of your, your own money. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes a tremendous amount of sense. And like, and the other thing that I mean, and I think it's worth introducing as a concept is now my kids are going to get a big chunk of money because it's $200, right? We've been doing it for five days, $40 a day. And I just introduced the concept of like, it might be nice. One thing dad and I try to do is take 10% out of the money that we have and find somewhere to give it to. And let me tell you, one of my kids was like, that is such a good idea. I'm going to give it to the kittens at the, you know, animal farm. My other kid was like, say what now? Do what exactly? Like his face, this is our Gordon Gecko kid. His face went completely white. Like give away some of my money. <laughs> and again, I'm like, you can make whatever decision you want, but this is just putting you in your path that this is sometimes the nice thing to do when you get money. Well, we'll see what happens, right? Oh yeah. Gordon Gecko's not into it at all. All right. We'll be right back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. And now, things we are sorry to break to you about your financial future. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. You had a plan to pay off your mortgage this year. But unfortunately, your children had a plan to spend all of your discretionary income on ordering Starbucks drinks they learned about on TikTok. Your car's on the fritz, and you've been thinking about trading up to an electric. 
Sadly, that is not going to happen as your kid racked up a multi-thousand dollar bill on Roblox, which you must now pay back in monthly installments. The good news, you get a tax refund for each child on your federal income tax. The bad news is your kid wants a pair of rare Jordans for his birthday. It's still going to come out as a loss. Hey there, you're pretty sure this is the year you'll be able to put some of that cash away towards the college fund. <laughs> Just kidding. Your kid got into travel sports and you'll be spending every spare cent you have on hotel rooms. This has been Things We Are Sorry to Break to You About Your Financial Future. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. So there are some sort of best practices around ages and stages and helping kids start understanding money that I've gotten from two different finance writers, Beth Koblener and Bethany Fisher. Okay. I thought we'd go through these. So starting with preschoolers, I mean, younger than three, like, you know, they don't know what you're talking about, nor should they. <laughs> younger than three, they eat money, literally. So just keep it away from them. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I have right here. It's fun to have preschoolers work on counting coins, but never leave the room while you're doing that because it's a choking hazard. Coins <laughs> are choking hazards. We were just at a children's museum in Texas. That's fantastic. McKenna. Anna Children's Museum, if you're ever near New Braunfels or San Antonio, amazing. And they have, it's like a little town, you know, they have a mailbox and an emergency room. Like the kids get to pretend to be all the different people in the town. It's awesome. But the grocery store was a hilarious havoc of like kids throwing $100 bills in the air and at each other. And <laughs> my older kid who was helping me with the little ones. Like that to me, more movie. Just money flying. I mean, just, and then my 11 year old, who's extremely organized and like very bossy, was trying to manage the grocery store because we were really there with little kids. It's for like kids under six. And it was hilarious. She was like, You cannot pay for a $100 thing with $20. I was like, Stop yelling at a two year old. He does not understand. It's hard. Like, bills. I mean, my kids were older than I thought that they should be, but to know the difference between a dime and a nickel, they really weren't sure. And I was like, what? And I was yeah, like, I might be able to check that with my tweens. I think they've got it now, but yikes. Yeah. And even with little kids, it's a matter of narrating. This was something that Sue Dominus, who we all, we both know in real life, she's a writer for the New York Times, and she talked about handling your... F went to middle school with her, as a matter of fact, not to brag. Did you? I went to college with her. And uh, she talked about narrating when you're using your phone in front of your kids, that you narrate. Like, I'm just looking up the, you know the directions to the playground and Google Maps, and then I'm going to put my phone away, whatever, that you explain to them what you're doing on your phone, because otherwise they're just like, mommy's just like not looking at me, that that was somewhat helpful. So I think about that all the time. And it's sort of related to the to the next bit of advice for little kids that just narrate it like, oh, these are our groceries, and I have to pay for these. And I'm going to use a credit card. And let's see how much it is. And I'm going to put my credit card in now. I mean, just just to get the notion in that there's a transaction happening that one has to pay for. And credit card is one kind of money. You can kind of start there. Five to seven-year-olds, they said comparison shopping at the grocery store is an easy way to sort of engage them and make them wonder about things. I think that's right. And I think also five to seven is a good time for... One of our listeners, I think, recommended this. Let's take a picture of that and we'll remember it for your birthday. Oh, yes. That's such a good... Yes. Because I think that in the same way that like you think about like, well, we have to talk about sex with our kids. It's like, that's a lot of different elements. It's like how we relate to people, how we let people treat us, consent. There's a million things that go into that conversation that are not like technically biological. And I think the same thing with money is like, 
oh, great, we want something. Let's put that on a list and we'll think about if we really want it in relation to the other things we want and and, and making kind of bigger choices that are not just like, mm-hmm. let's actually see if we can get it for $5 instead of $7. Something with older kids. I remember once being going somewhere, I guess my kids were probably like 11, 12 then. And my kid was just, you know, looking out the window while I was at the gas station. I was like, why are there different kinds of gas? And why is one kind of gas more expensive than the other? And I was like, uh, I don't know, because the more expensive gas is better. I'm like, but is it really better? This is a kid who's always asking the, you know, the question, always looking for the, you know, the unexplored angle. I'm like, what a good question. So we're on a road trip. And then when we like sat down at the McDonald's, I'm like, let's look it up. And we learned this whole thing about like, why is the more expensive gas more expensive? And do you really need it? And in case you're wondering, it won't turn your minivan into a Porsche. But if you have a Porsche, it'll make your Porsche drive better. It's interesting. It reminds me of Britt Hawthorne who was talking about anti-racism on a fresh take with us. She used a phrase, curious questions in terms of like how to approach questions that kids might have about race and differences. And well, that's a curious question. And I find that as I have tweens, like their curious questions get very interesting, just like that. They're like, well, what makes this go? And one of my kids asked me the other day and it, it tickled me because it was very sincere. And to me, it seemed really funny. We went to see the Lion King and we stayed at the stage door and met the little kids who played Simba and um, Nyla. Nala, uh-huh. And they were about my kid's age. And we were just talking, it was seven, a couple of years ago, and we were talking about the other day, and my son, and he just asked in a very sweet way, he was like, are those kids, do they get paid or are they volunteers? And I was like, no, 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 they get paid. <laughs> they get paid, you know, it's called equity scale. They're in a union. They get paid probably about, you know, $800 a week. And- he was like, whoa. And like, what does a kid do when they earn money? And I'm like, we had a long conversation about, you know, kids who earn money and how that works. And, but yeah, the, the things they don't know surprise me. And then the questions they ask are very, but I think it's a good practice when questions come up, if it's a good time to take them as curious questions and try to say like, I like that. Like, let's look that up. Like, let's look up why gas is different prices. I don't know. It's interesting. And like, okay, you have a question about like, right. You know, let's look up like why these things, how you set things up in a store. I don't know. Just interesting stuff that comes up with kids. I have another idea for grade schoolers because I was this grade schooler, the department store in our town, the globe store, which doesn't exist anymore, but it used to have this incredible thing called Santa's world. That was I think run by volunteers, mostly moms. And it was just like, oh, like little drummer boy candle holders at the kind of stuff you'd get at Spencer's Gifts or, you know, now it'd be a TJ Maxx. Imagine TJ Maxx. And they just had sort of remainders of stuff and they set them up on tables and there were adults there to help you, but your grownups couldn't come in with you. And I would go in there with a budget of like, I have, you know, $3 to spend on a gift for my grandmother and I have $8 to spend on a gift for my mother. And you'd go up and down the aisles and you had your budget and you had to pick out gifts. I loved it so much. And those gifts meant so much to me because I had chosen them and considered them. And do I have enough for this? Well, maybe if I buy this instead. And it was like, I really wish there was a Santa's world in every town, but creating that experience for your kid, if you can do it is, is very useful. Yeah, I do think my kids have lost that. And it's because like we've lost the value of that money. Like I definitely remember we would save our allowance every week to go down to the pharmacy and like, okay, if I I really want candy, but I more want stickers for my collection and, 
it felt like we were making those very organically. And now I feel like we just do a lot of like at the checkout stand, the kids being like, Oh, I actually do need a pencil or whatever. I mean, I actually do need this, you know, new headphones. And it's like, all right, throw them in the car. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it definitely feels like we've lost that. Or saying like, stop being so spoiled. Do you think this stuff grows on trees? Like, well, we, if you're not presenting to them any, any alternative to the fact that they do grow on trees, then how would they know? Yeah. And the, the other context I do try to give my kids, because we were talking about, again, my one kid who's very obsessed with like getting things. It's just, you know, it's baked in the cake. It's very hardwired. And I was trying to explain like, whatever, we, he got a desk that lights up for Christmas like three years ago. And now he's like, I want a different desk. And I said, well, you, you got that really crazy light up desk. I mean, that's your desk through high school. Like you don't need another desk. You've got the desk. And he's like, well, but I really want this other kind of desk. And I said, first of all, we don't have the money. Second of all, you can't save $2, no less the money you would need for that desk. And third of all, like we don't want to just keep throwing stuff in landfills. Like at a certain point, it's our responsibility on some basic level to be stewards of what we consume because the 8,000 like throwaway iPhone cords are going somewhere, you know? That's a really good point. And that's a whole separate episode, isn't it? About being being stewards of what we consume. We haven't even talked about that as part of this. Yeah. And it is part of it. You don't need the new sneakers when your old sneakers still fit you. I know that the orange ones are cool last year and the green ones are cool this year, but that's tough. It's And you have to choose, right? Like, I, I mean, all I wanted when I was that age was an alligator shirt and I had like the Sears dragon shirt instead. But Oh, the sad night with the dragon. I'm so sorry. My, my husband talks about that as well. It's a painful experience. Sometimes it's worth it, I think, to like let, again, like let them buy in. Okay, you have to spend some of your babysitting money because the alligator shirt costs twice as much as the dragon shirt. And it's, it's the same shirt. But if you really want one, I mean, I understand how preteens and teens have this, you know, desire to fit in by a sweatshirt that says Benetton on it or whatever, whatever the kids are doing these days, Margaret, which isn't that. What the kids are doing. I mean, I think what we've come to, and I think it was a really interesting conversation. It's something I'm thinking about a lot is that money when you have disposable income is about like what you value. It's kind of an ultimate version of your values, like literally like where you spend money and how you spend money. And that I don't think that teaching kids to pass the interest and diversification of portfolio stuff. I mean, this is the thing. I don't own any stocks because I don't have enough money. Like I don't need to diversify my portfolio. I don't have a portfolio. I do have enough money now to go to target without worrying about it. But like, I don't know that you need to get into like interest rates and stuff, but I do think that you need to give voice all the time to like, well, that costs money. If we spend money on that, we won't have money for this. And like, I give you $20 at the dollars at the pool and you bought 12 ice creams for all your friends, that was your $20 for the week at the pool. So I guess you're not having ice cream anymore. It's really about using every experience where you interact with money and having both had this experience to varying degrees. If you are struggling financially, I think it's also okay to say, let's pick one thing that we want to do as a family that costs under X amount of dollars and let's save for that for a couple of months and make that stuff visible to kids. Because what we're saying is like money has a role in our life, but it is not the purpose of our life. <laughs> right. Unless you're my Gordon Gecko child, in which case it does. But that's an exception to the bling, 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 baby. 
I can't wait to hear what he buys with his newfound cash for all this hard, hard work. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's going to be settling a tremendous amount of debts before then, Amy. So we'll see what he has left to buy. But also this um, babysitting trip was involved. It's for the grandparents are involved. So I also know that no matter what I pay him, he's cutting side deals with Nana and Papa as well. So he may come home with a Bugatti. Who knows? <laughs> hey, we're on YouTube now. Just search What Fresh Hell Podcast. We're putting videos of many of our episodes and clips and all kinds of things. So if you're on YouTube, even if you don't listen to the show on YouTube, if you just follow us on there, it'll help us find more listeners because it'll help YouTube be like, oh, this is a good show to show moms. It would really help us out. Oh, that's such a good point. I used to always say to people when we were starting the podcast, you don't have to listen, but you do have to subscribe. And now I'm going to say that about YouTube. You don't have to watch us on YouTube, but you do have to subscribe. (laughs) Hey, YouTube, we like them. I mean, I ask you kindly to subscribe, of course. Well, with that, Amy, we've solved it again. And we will talk to you all next week. So long. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk, and let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how 
all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life stucks.